Welcome back to Media Rewind on the Boom Howdy Entertainment Network. Boom Howdy. I am your host as always, Dustin P. And on this episode, we dive back into the Badlands with your recap of Season 3, Episode 1, entitled Enter the Phoenix. Uh-huh. But the Boom Howdy you heard in the background is my co-host, as always, the ever, ever happy and boisterous Genius McGee. Genius, what's up, man? I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm hella happy. That no, episode I'm, was bad as hell. I'm excited. This I'm, I'm glad... I'm okay. So, Walking Dead. Okay, so for the once again, we go into spoilers. Yeah. If you, spoiler, 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 spoiler. So, Walking Dead was over. Walking Dead was good, and I was hyped for um, Into the Badlands. As you heard on our recap show, as you heard us promoted on the earlier, I was hyped. But I, in the back of my mind, I was worried about this episode, and I was worried that it wouldn't live up to the hype and expectations that we've been putting, especially to Lance from Uruguay. Oh yeah, right. The, the classic over-promise, under-delivery kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But that being said, let's talk about it. Because that episode was badass, man! Yes, it was. <laughs> so, needless to say, I don't need to ask you what was your first take on the episode. Right. <laughs> but, you know, like we said earlier, for the sake of brevity, we dive right into spoilers. So, this is going to be spoiler-filled. Yep. Genius, what were some of your takeaways of this episode? Well, there's one missing piece that I declare is not available. Oh, man. Martin Sokus is gone. Yeah. Or at least for now. Right. <laughs> he should come back, like we said, like a Yoda ghost. It'd be awesome, like right? a force ghost. But, or, or like he's the conscious of Sonny. Or, or even, well, like, Sonny, do you think Henry should be wearing that kind of diaper there? You know? <laughs> he needs to be cotton, right. not disposables. <laughs> Only the best for young Henry. Vile wouldn't have it any other way, you know? <laughs> but, or, or even better, like, he becomes, like, fucking Uncle Jesse. Like, not from Full House, but the Dukes of Hazzard. Oh, I was about to well, say, that would well, be kind of weird. Right? Just, uh, well, son is in a heap of trouble now. Will he get out of the trailer alive? I think they need to let him narrate the entire thing. Exactly. I mean, that'd be awesome. Okay, was quite in the pickle. <laughs> so, with the intro to this episode, I mean, this this thing goes, you know, from zero to a hundred real, real quick. Real quick, like it starts off with like a fucking war. Yeah, and and that was one of the probably the best wars I've seen. And it was um, quick. Boom. It was, it was probably one of the best battle sequences I think I've seen in this in this series so far. It kind of reminded me of the Battle of the Bastards from Game of Thrones. I wouldn't go that far. No, man. I mean it wasn't that epic in scale, but when you talk about the brutality and mm-hmm. and the way that they kind of staged yeah. everything for 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 being like. The minute, two-minute thing that it was, the fact that it would put that much punch, that much character, you know, it opens up. You don't even know who the fuck this chick is. You just know it's a random butterfly. Well, yep. and just she's going to town on people. I mean, just tearing up Madam Chow's place. Epic bad acidness. Right? And then the only way, and then there's, there is, like, you're just thinking, God damn, Widow's got everybody on lock with these random-ass strangers because she's then got two more chicks, two more butterflies right behind her. And I'm like, God damn, opening scene. Mm-hmm. You know? Wait, was that the opening scene or was it the Widow? The, the Widow's narration was actually the opening scene. Right, right, right. And so then... The fact of the matter is the only way that they could take those butterflies down was with... By a hail of arrows? Right. Arrows will block out the sun. And we will fight in the shade. (laughs) I mean, that was kind of a nice little cool homage to the 300. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I've noticed also with Into the Badlands, they've also kind of pulled some homage from The Walking Dead as well. Because later on in the episode, we find out that the Widow's Sanctuary Mm -hmm. is called The The Sanctuary. Sanctuary. 
Um, so they've definitely pulled a little bit of... And he's stuck in Dale, Dale's trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so we, we see a lot of crossover, or at least what we're inferring is crossover. Right. I mean, it, it, could, it could be fiction. Yeah, but yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool to see. We just want to remind the listeners we have no affiliation with AMC. We're just hyped about the show. So oh, whatever yeah. we talk about, whatever. I mean, as long as they keep putting out content like that, I'm going to be I'm promoting them. Keep watching shit. So we find out from the narration that the widow gives that six of the barons are dead, and mm-hmm. the only one left is Madame Chow. Right, and basically that was the whole setup as the last season because that's from yeah. the whole conclave thing. And this was a good... The first scenes especially were good um, introductions to people into the show. Like, hey, you don't know what we're talking about really yet, but hey, this is what's going on. There was six barons. Now there's only two left. We got one chick versus another chick with both armies on their side. And I thought that was really good, like... This is into the Badlands. Yeah, because we got a lot of a lot of backstory. We yeah. got a lot of like personality quickly, quickly. right? Um, but we get a lot of personality of the other barons and how they interacted with the widow, <laughs> how they interacted with Sonny, Baji, and all them. Mm-hmm. And now that it's just down to two, we can focus more on the actual main characters and the story piece of it. Mm-hmm. I think like the first two seasons was more to, you know, grab people into you know realizing what the badlands was yeah and now we're actually getting to the meat of the story and how the story is going to drive everything going forward but the cool thing is it's still kind of even broken up into now different character arcs but that sticking with the widow we now know the widow and madame chow are at arms with each other right right for ultimate power but now then you have the widow and the tilda arc which we'll get into that later and then we have the widow and Coming up next was the fucking. I know you want to talk about this dude, Nathaniel Moon. Oh yeah, let's talk about him, dude. I'm I'm glad they brought Nathaniel Moon back because I think I said in in a couple of the episodes last season after he was introduced, he was easily one of my favorite characters because of his like the mystique around him. And he was just in a one episode thing. It was right. a one and done. And like I think you called it on the 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 primer. It was a bottle episode. Yeah, you know, it was completely outside just, of everything else we saw. Yep. But it was a, it was a great standalone episode mm-hmm. to build that character and to build his backstory well we see him reintroduced as the widow goes to take him as a regent mm-hmm. and the the shot was gorgeous fuck yeah it was beautiful that whole like spiraling tower and all the swords that are stuck in the ground because mm-hmm. of all these people that have come to try to kill him right and even he fucking comes out and you see him and he's got that claw made out of rebar yeah it looks like the it looks like the predators forearm blade right yeah but just all like handmaiden shit it would look badass because like i mean because we are in the future you know we're yeah. like in the ruins year, of the future yeah 100 years into the future so it's feasible and the fight between uh him and the widow was not only so well balanced with the choreograph uh, choreography but with the beautiful backdrop behind it because that beautiful tower and that um the scenery behind it was well placed with that fight scene yeah i mean pretty much everything that they did to set up that little i guess you would say sub battle Mm-hmm. Um, for this episode was, was beautiful. I mean, you had the backdrop, you had the, the spiraling tower that they battled on, <clears throat> you had the top of the spiraling tower where you have that added sense of dread, you know. Right. Will one of our heroes fall off? Find out next time. And into the Badlands! And to show you how big of a badass the, the Widow is, 
I mean, she's fighting him in stilettos. Right, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. He's in combat boots, boom, 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 using his rebar to try and climb up the wall and get away from him. And, and she just looks up and like, <laughs> and just like dip, 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 dip. And she's like, just jumping in in fucking stilettos looking badass while she's doing it. Dude, Emily Beecham is a treat. She is a badass kung fu kickery and she's manipulative and she can back up her shit and she's gorgeous while she's doing it. Yeah, and she's got... She's definitely got the kung fu moves down. Yeah. I mean, you can tell that you know, in the first season, we didn't get a lot of, you know, what, what she's actually capable of. We did. We did get well, lit, but enough to we want more. Right. And in the second season, after all oh, of the yeah, other the first barons, season, yeah. after all the barons are gone and mm-hmm. everything, you know, she's made her power play. I mean, that's when we really realized, you know. She was quite the formidable foe. Right. Because, I mean, she goes toe-to-toe with Tilda and just kicks the shit out of her. Yeah. Her I mean, own daughter. Yeah. Just kicks the living shit out of mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. So, that that's a great little segue there. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the widow kind of excommunicating Tilda out of the way, which gives birth to the Iron Rabbit, which is one of the coolest fucking names ever. It is. People are bitching, oh, the Iron Rabbit, that's stupid. No, no, no. Iron Monkey's dope. Iron Rabbit is dope, too. Fucking, and their costumes look dope as shit. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of people bagging on it saying, oh, it looks so very like Mortal Kombat. No. I don't care. It works for me. Yeah, it looked kick-ass. It looked great. And Tilda looked great, too. Yeah, you know, I mean, she, she her whole personality changed when she donned this Iron Rabbit mystique and that whole got Robin Hood thing going on. I liked it a lot. Yeah, so we see the reintroduction of Tilda slash the Iron Rabbit and Artemis. And I mean, she she attacks one of the widow's convoys. Lo and behold, Baggy is the prisoner that's in the convoy. Welcome. Your your favorite Nick Frost. How can I love Nick Frost? Welcome back, Baggy. But. Going back to the Iron Iron Rabbit fight scene, she fucked them up. She oh, got yeah. that crawl, <laughs> that crawl glade thing going on. Just that boomerang thing like fucking Feral Kid. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> at least she didn't cut off her fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, the Ayatollah rock and roll is like in the prisoner in the back. <laughs> but but the way that they've weaved these stories together so far, just in the in the entry of season three, has, has been kind of miraculous mm-hmm. because you see all these characters that we were left with in season two. But every one of these characters is woven together again in in the first episode of season three. Yeah. We we find out that when uh, you know Iron Rabbit takes the the convoy and takes the 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 food supply back, she's actually taking it to Lydia's camp. Yeah, the, the Baroness. Yeah, and, and Lydia is essentially patching up all of these these war victims and just pretty much passerbys and anybody that needs help. So my question is this: Is this because she amassed a great deal of people really quick? I mean, because of course there's people who want to help, and then there's people because they're in this fucking war right. that need this help, and it's the Badlands. The people are dying everywhere. But is that the cult? That Lance Hendrickson, her dad, was leading. They allude to it in the episode that it's actually like the principles of the founding of of the cult. But it's but not. I, necessary. I think it's a lot of the cogs so and everybody. It's, it's kind of like displaced because of this this war that's happening. So it's kind of like St. Luke's or St. Mary's, where it's like a Catholic hospital, but it's for everybody. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So they kind of bring everybody into the fold just to kind of give them, you know. Uh, food, shelter, yeah, safety, gruel. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Green soup. I mean, I, I don't quite. Yeah, I don't know how quite that would work out. Um, but we see the the interaction between Lydia, Iron Rabbit, mm-hmm. Baggy. Yeah, and then. How he's gonna scare? He even said, 
how is someone going to scam refugees out of their money, you know? And <laughs> sure enough, that fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's such a sleaze, but he's like a lovable sleaze, you know? Yeah, he'd be like one of those guys that you get pissed off and you punch, but then you help back up off the ground after you knock him down. Which Sonny has probably done many a time. <laughs> so, like, this is some kind of, like, Badlands Scrabble they're playing, or Mahjong? Uh, yeah. So, Bad so Baji, yeah, Badgie's cheating people out of their money, mm-hmm. you know, for drinks, so, which is kind of awesome. You know, it kind of plays right into his character of being like, you know, this this Han Solo-esque kind of character. Yeah. Um, but before we get back to the, the Badlands, we actually get the reintroduction of Sonny. Yeah. And oh, but even before that, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we got to talk about because Sonny goes off it. I wrote in my notes, for being a prisoner, MK ain't got it that bad. Nah, he doesn't have it that bad you know? at all. I mean, if, 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 you, if you're a prisoner, but you still have like Two chicks in your bed and um, an opium addiction, then, <laughs> then you're doing. Pretty I mean, good. all all it, at this point, the only thing that MK is doing is getting loaded and spreading his dark chi. Right. I mean, it's pretty much all he's doing. <laughs> I mean, so good on him, I guess. I mean, right. there's really nothing else he can do. I mean, he's locked up. I mean, right. the, the the widow has him under lock and key, and, and she's still trying to get him to reharness his dark chi. I mean, and then at this point, what can they do? I mean, he tortured, she's probably tortured him and cut him or trained him and all that shit. So, I mean, is it, it can't be gone for good. No, I think he just realizes or he needs to realize how to harness it. Because mm-hmm. later on in the episode, I mean, I know that we jump around a lot, but we see the the assault on uh, the, the last the outpost, outpost. And we see that that one, uh, the one member of the, the refugees, uh, Essentially, his his killer gang or whatever yeah. the hell you want to the call pilgrims. them, right? The pilgrims. Let's just call them for black and better turn the pilgrims. Yeah, the pilgrims. You see the one actually flip back and forth yeah, between being like dark and chi off. and then yeah. being regular mm-hmm. and then dark chi again. So I think that's one of those things that that we're going to see MK be able to do later Hopefully. on in the, later on in either the season or the story arc. Yeah. So, it, but we're jumping back and forth. Yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of cool. I thought it was cool too. But we see that MK is is locked under you know, you know. In the widow's sanctuary, right, but with, you know with hookers and with hookers and blow, essentially. Right, but here's the thing: I don't want MK from going to be an asshole to a dumb asshole. Right. You know? One, don't fuck with the widow. Don't push her buttons, right? Because the widow will fuck his shit up, especially now that he can't harness her dark cheek. That's true. And second of all, like. I was just starting to like MK. I don't want him to go back to being that petulant little shit that he was in the first season. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of that that MK as well. I I, I started to really take a liking to his character when he kind of went off and and started talking to the master and kind of gave us that whole that that side story for mm-hmm. him, um, and where he kind of learned how to I guess train a little bit more than what he was doing. That was like a whole like kung fu type thing. Like right, yeah. I liked it when he was with Sonny on the woods and he was part of the gang. So, so you everybody. weren't a big fan of like Legends of the Hidden Shaolin Temple? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't like the the adventures of okay, you know, <laughs> Kung Fu. Okay, continues. No, I liked it better when he was like part of the gang when he was with him and Badgie and uh, Sonny. Sonny just kicking ass alongside. Yeah, him. that was. That's my MK, you know. I don't, I don't want him to go back to that little whiny shit that he was in the first season. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen though. I think, ah. I think he's gonna finally realize, you know, what, what all's happening. And I mean, I think he might. I think he might actually escape. You Hope, know, hopefully, him seeing Sunny or or Tilda or something will snap him out of his whatever. 
and he'll try and, like you said, escape or something. Well, I think at this point, I think everybody's pretty much banking <laughs> on Sonny being gone. Yeah. And, you know, because you even hear the widow and, and MK talking between the two of them. Even you know, Badgie. Yeah. like, ain't nobody seen him. That Sonny left you. You mm-hmm. know, it's been six months since we've heard from Sonny. And MK believes that he's just gone. Yeah. Well, now with Nathaniel Moon coming back with the, the sole purpose of taking revenge Killing on Sonny. Sonny. Yeah. There's got to be a reason. MK's got to be able to put this together why Nathaniel Moon is now the region of the widow. Exactly. And even Nathaniel Moon, <laughs> it is that when she should have opened up with like, "Hey, you want to learn how you want to uh, go help me kill Sunny?" Well, that shit, that's all you had to say. We right. didn't have to fight, but I'm glad they did. But um even the like you were saying, nobody knows where the fuck is Sunny at until Baji meets him up back into right. the camp in, so, in Lydia's camp. Yeah. So we see Sonny get reintroduced, and mm-hmm. the reason why he's reintroduced is because Henry is apparently running a fever. I love this lone wolf and cub shit. I do too. Um, I just think it's going to be a little bit more of a hindrance than a, than an actual story vehicle mm-hmm. to kind of move us forward. I think it's, I mean, because Henry's at the point, I mean, he's an infant. He can't defend himself. Yeah. Unless we find out he can defend himself. Which because we, we'll, we'll talk about later, but before that, God damn that fight scene. The RV in the, scene. The RV scene. I've never seen anybody get impaled with a baby crib before. Yeah, that was pretty that was pretty awesome. Through the neck. Just whoop. It wasn't even like cutaway. It was like whoop. And we find and we find out the reason why that whole battle took place is now that the you know, the widow and everybody has put a bounty on Sonny's head. Mm-hmm. So I believe it was five hundred gold pieces. Five hundred gold bits. Five hundred gold bits. And bits. <laughs> <laughs> so Sonny dispatches of them pretty easily, like you would of imagine course, he of would. Of course. So now it's he's probably up to like what, maybe like five hundred, probably in the the realm of clipped people. Five hundred, probably. Yeah, because he was at like four hundred when he fought Nathaniel Moon. So there's been some time. You know, mm. he was he was captive and whatnot, so he's got to be in the 500 club. He's probably lost so many punch count. Nah, he probably could, like, yeah, they, these clowns didn't count. Yeah. Those are mulligans. Mulligans. He's, he's writing on them in permanent marker on his skin <laughs> instead of, you know, tattooed. <laughs> right. Like, eh, whatever. So Sonny takes uh, his boy Henry, which, again. Henry no, will be mine. No, I just always look at it. Henry, mm-hmm. another, another homage to The Walking Dead. It's like these guys are like, you know. You know, the, the, they're just interweaving the stories, which I honestly, I could see it happening, and I hope they do it. Yeah. Like, this is after what happens after in the what apocalypse. Happens, <laughs> but like Carl's hat. Right. <laughs> Stu- stupid conjecture. Right. But, w- but we see another, you know, kind of familiarity with The Walking Dead there in Henry. I still want to, like, well, Sonny is in a heap of trouble with the papoose and the baby. <laughs> I still say Henry would have been in better care. He needs to put him in the red rod. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we we see Sonny take Henry into a healer, which just happens to stumble him into Lydia's camp, mm-hmm. the Baroness. Yeah. Um, and that's where he reunites with Baggie, and they kind of go on this little drinking bender. And which, Sonny tells him that Vale didn't make it out of the Badlands. Which is was so good to see, like, humility in Baggie, because he realized he knew in his heart of hearts that everything worked out good for Sonny. Right. I mean, that was his story. Him and Vale are out living with the baby, didn't even know the baby's name, out living with the baby, just being a family, living in peace. He doesn't know where he's at, he doesn't want to know where he's at, leave him alone. And then to find out that, like, Vale died, that look on Badgie's face, like, dude, I should have been there for you, man. Yeah, and when he starts to pour the drink for Sonny, you can kind of see that he takes a pause and he's kind of shaking a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, that was like, man, I, you know what? He apologized without apologizing. Exactly. I, I think if he would have verbalized something there, it I think that would have been, been cheap. Yeah. 
uh, you know, like, let's have this drink in Vale's memory. That, that right, been, right, right, right. That would have been easy storytelling and very cliche of the writers to do. But it was a good scene, on, especially on the actor's part of Nick Frost and Daniel Wu, to portray that emotion and to, to portray that, like, one scene where they didn't have to say anything and you knew exactly what they were saying to each other. You know? Perfect. I mean, because you think you see their their interaction before that yeah. was, you know, Sonny saving Baji from getting his ass kicked by all these people. Or that breaking he, that out he of jail. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, exactly. With a pocket full of tiles. I, I did. I, I do have to point out that I thought it was funny as hell because one of the lines that Sonny's, you know, that I'm sorry, not Sonny, but Baji had, mm-hmm. the guy goes, that's the sixth time you've swindled us. And Baji goes, no, eight. that's our eighth. And he holds up seven fingers. Did yeah. you notice that? And he is, if you learn how to count better. Yeah. And he's like doing that like four times 45, right? And then I, that thing right right is like, if you learn how to count better, you probably do better. <laughs> I will I will love to see if on the uh, the season three Blu-ray when it gets released, whether or not that's going to be like an outtake and that's a Nick Frost ad lib. Right. That would be perfect if it was. Speaking of Nick Frost, I want his fucking wardrobe because that dope ass Willy Wonka shit would look great on me. Dude, that was a that was a ballin' ass purple suit. He looked fucking rad as shit. He looked like a, just a dirty. He looked ass like a Willy kung fu Wonka. grimace. Yes, I totally want that suit. I if if they if, if like the Badlands needs money, they start auctioning off props. I'm Nick Frost's size. I could probably wear it. You know what you I'm saying? You got his beard. Yeah, I I could do it. I could pull it off. So you know, if you're ever auctioning off things and they do that Willy Wonka at shit. I want Dude, it, but... watch like Tommy Hilfiger is gonna come out with an Into the Badlands like line. I I check it out because the costumes in this one are great. Fucking um, Willy Wonka was badass. Um, Tilda's Iron Rabbit. Tilda's was, was badass. The fucking Pilgrims outfit were badass. Dude, the Pilgrims outfit were dope as shit. Yeah, and the one thing that Into the Badlands that that I've always liked about this show is their use of color. Yes. I mean, they're not, like, a lot of these post-apocalyptic shows, you're Walking gray. Dead being one, either gray, greenish. Brown palettes, you know, all that shit. It's really this, drab. No, this is bright and vibrant. It's telling the story with your eyes, too. I mean, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it, the best, the best, I guess, example of that would be at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the show, they see, you know, the pilgrims coming forward, and they see, like, the big convoy mm-hmm. of the pilgrims, and they're coming through like the poppy fields, and the poppy fields are just bright red. Right. You know, so it, it's awesome to see that. I mean, we we've talked about the use of like you know vibrant color on the the, the season two finale when mm-hmm. Quinn and and Sonny are fighting. That that blue light was behind them. Yeah. So I mean, they've really done a great job of not just making everything olive drab. Right. And, and just making it a boring story that's just about oh all these guys are just kung fu masters. Right. But see that's a thing like like a lot of other shows or a lot of other movies should really put into place. Like for example, if we see like a superhero movie and everybody's doing magical kung fu shit and everything's a drab, that's dumb. If you're if people are doing magical kung fu shit, you want to see people looking like they can do magical kung fu shit. You know what I'm saying? So you're kind of talking about like going away from the Zack Snyder kind of like darkened palette yeah. and whatnot. And dude, I, I like I mean, a lot of Zack Snyder's it, films. Yeah, people, I mean, I dude, I really do. I, I dug Batman versus Superman on certain levels, right? But at the same time, like like I said, if you want to see like it's 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 pretty to look at. The 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 it tells a story, especially when you have like the Widow versus Madame Chow. You know who exactly. Yeah. Who's who? Yeah, you exactly. Know? You've got these two just you know heavy hitters, mm-hmm. and but to be able to differentiate between the two, yeah, you got these very specific color palettes, and even the widow all in black all the time. 
you know, and like the the pilgrims, they Sonny, uh, he's a killer. He's always in red. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's a lot. It's really good set designs. Really good eye for storytelling. Yeah, and it's perfect visual storytelling. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's so, that's always one of the things that I'm gonna I'm always gonna gravitate toward with this particular show. Speaking of, I think that brings us to that fight scene at the outpost. Wow! Holy shit! The, the scaffold. The the scaffold fight. Holy shit! That chick went to town on that one chick. Yeah. The slice of matic. Yeah. I mean that was some, that was some slap chop yeah, shit right there. Yeah, it was. She fucked her world up, dude. She ate her lunch. So, I mean, we, we're talking about, of course, the pilgrims that come up, and we mm-hmm. noticed that two of the enforcers from the 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 pilgrim, right? You know, um, that that they have dark chi. Right, and I'm I'm assuming that these pilgrims are from Azra. They have to be because Badgie called them. Right, so, and so and he's saying that you know he hasn't heard Heidner hair from them for months. Right, you know, even though he made the call. So, conjectureville, we're gonna think that the pilgrims are from Azra. Right, because all of these guys have dark cheek. Oh, you so I would even go a non-conjectureville. They probably are from Azra. Everybody's badasses in Azra because everybody's trying to get to Azra, and the whole thing is Azra, right? So, so the pilgrim calls on his you know attack dogs, and <laughs> here's the thing, if if two pilgrims because yes. there was three there was only three pilgrims that walked that one dude didn't it was like in the simpsons like oh that little guy's gonna do something i missed it right <laughs> <laughs> so there was only three pilgrims only two of them did stuff and they still have a fucking army behind them exactly There's that's a, like fucking hundreds of people that's what makes me kind of worry about what's going to happen in the badlands because the the main pilgrim goes up to the the one person from the outpost that they allow to live, he goes, tell your people what you saw here today. Yeah. And if they don't bow to our wishes and join us, they will die. And I mean, that dude got his ass kicked out the window like Charlie Murphy. Uh, Everybody got their asses kicked. Hardcore. And they were doing some cool ass shit. The fucking, when, um, the way that they did the wire work and some mm -hmm. of the battles. And in the tandem, when they were, they were on the scaffolding and they used each other's heels to jump up on the other thing. That was dope as shit. We were audibly like, oh my God, that's badass. Like during that. Yeah, and normally when we watch these shows, we're usually like quiet, gathering our notes or something. But we were like, "God damn, she fucked it up." I think out of the, I don't know, I haven't seen the main dude fight, but out of the two that fight, the chick is easily hands down the baddest ass one of them all. Yeah, and I think what what we saw with her, she's more she's more rabid mm-hmm. than than the male, mm-hmm. and a lot of that was like maybe he's possibly further progress because you see him like kind of fade in and out of his dark chi yeah. at a point during that fight sequence so maybe he's further along in his training or maybe he's losing his yeah, chi yeah or maybe he's losing his chi from yeah. you know having it activated so many times yeah because she she when she cut her arm to start her chi she didn't have her, a lot of scarring she didn't have a lot of scarring at all but when he cut his face to gather his chi he had like 7 8 9 10 slots right so he might be losing his shit that's why he's like had to save her ass but that was badass when she caught that arrow. That was really cool. And she just bad. snapped it like a number two pencil. Like that. Like like, like flicking a booger. Just like that. <laughs> like, God damn. So then didn't even break stride just walking like, sup, bitch. You know? Yeah. And <laughs> she kicked that dude's ass off that scaffolding. And I was like, wow, that, that had to have hurt. Yeah. That No, I mean, that had to have hurt the stuntman to do that fall. At least hurt his family's feelings. Yeah, because he, <laughs> he pinballed down the like yeah, the side did. of that thing. Boom, boom. Boom. <laughs> I mean, even with wire work and CGI, there's only so <laughs> much you still, can do. Yeah. So, 
Um, that leads us pretty much to the end of the episode. Do we have anything else that you need to cover that you would like to cover? I'm excited. I am too. I'm excited. And I'm excited. You know, what, you know what's awesome? We're, we're sitting here just absolutely like, you know, smiling ear to ear, brimming with absolute joy for this episode. And we didn't even see Sonny fight. We except do, for the, except except for the, the trailer. Except for the but thing. That was only three people. Right. I and mean, we've seen him take on groups of like 30 yeah. by himself. I hope they get more funding so they can have less commercials. Because there was one of those things in the middle of the show that was like a five minute. Absolutely. And you. then like it was like three minutes of commercials, five minutes of stories, four minutes of commercials, and then ten minutes of stories. And they're right. like, what the fuck? You yeah, know? that particular part of the pacing was a little choppy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, thanks to your DVR, I mean, we were able to get through it. But it was just, it was a little clunky yeah. just right there. Yeah. So... With that being said, like we do on every one of our recap episodes, Genius, how would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest? I went into this episode looking for flaws. I was almost angry at this episode at the beginning, right? Because I was like, okay. I was like I'm going to look at this as most critically as I can, you know, like. I'm gonna look for the tiniest little bit of errors and shit like that. So you were looking for more wrong than anticipating something going right. Right, right. About three minutes into it, I was like, <laughs> fuck it. I'm on board, man. This is dope. Welcome back to the Badlands. Um, I'm giving this a solid eight because it did exactly what I wanted to do. And it, it brought back all my, all the characters that I'm looking for. It brought back badass fighting. And it was a good introduction for people who haven't seen it before. It, I mean... You should not go into this without at least knowing a little bit of the story or something. Some but of the characters that we've lost along the way. For even for some people who are going in kind of cold, it's kind of it. It's quick enough where you can pick up what's going on. You need to, you don't need to know a lot of the backstory, but you you find it's out. Helpful. Right, you know that there's two barons going at it. You know there's a guy out there with his baby who ha- we didn't even talk about the dark chi of the baby. Yeah. So go ahead. So we, we find yeah. out Henry has dark chi. Yeah, baby Henry, quick, quick dark chi. You know, it's that barren. <laughs> it's that living underground. <laughs> but so it's he doesn't a, live in Fraggle Rock. He did for a little bit. He was born by the trash heap in Fraggle Rock. My Rid- clipper, I'm mean, my doozles will do. Ridiculous, right? No, but it was a good. It was a good serviceable. It was a good serviceable season one introduction by the books. I mean, if you're talking about what do you want out of a good a good episode into a season three, especially to bring in newcomers, mm-hmm. it did what it needed to do. The fight scenes were badass. Everything was great. I cannot complain about anything, but one, it's still not perfect in my – I haven't seen a perfect episode of anything, so I've never gone, like, really yet, right? But – the fight scenes were badass. Everything was great. I wanted more. It's definitely a solid eight for me. Yeah. And I'm actually going to echo that. I'm going to go with an eight as well. I, I think, you know, the way that they set everything up, just like you said, you don't have to know the backstory, but it is helpful. It's very helpful. To kind of push some of the characters ahead mm-hmm. in your mind. Um, but if this is a standalone, like if this was to, say, start like a season one of a show, this is a pretty damn solid episode to start a season one. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we know where the, the pieces kind of fell, you know, from the war with uh, Madame Chow, uh, the widow, the other barons and everything. But we, um, we, we definitely see more of it kind of progressing along. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a faster pace now. Yeah. You know, because we don't have Quickly. to worry about so much, so much backstory with all of the characters. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go eight. I'm going to go eight. 
I want to remind everybody that we do drop these episodes on Monday evening following the show. The show does air Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Central Time after Fear the Walking Dead before The Talking Dead. Right, for at least the half the season. Whatever, set your DVRs. Exactly. Set reminders. Fucking whatever. Just just watch it. It's good stuff. And come listen to us talk about this good stuff. Exactly. So on behalf of my co-host, Genius McGee, I am Dustin P. I'm going to go play me some Mahjong.